0: Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon by Reverend Marvin Lindsay titled, "Ease Back. It's based on selected verses in Acts chapter 2. We hope that you'll enjoy. When I was a teenager, I watched a lot of movies because there wasn't much else to do in my hometown. And being a kind of knuckleheaded teenager, me and my friends preferred movies where the higher the body count, the better the movie. That was how we judged uh, the character of a motion picture. Uh, and there's a couple that I remember in particular because they involved uh, futuristic uh, science fiction main characters. So was, there was Terminator. Um, I think maybe even those of you who didn't go in the 80s know who uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger played in that movie. But one that I remember in particular was Robocop. Uh, another cyborg main character. Uh, Robocop was made out of steel and out of microchips and from the body of a slain law enforcement officer. They brought him back to life, made him new and improved. But then as he begins to remember who he was in his former life, he adds a bullet point, pun intended, to his job description, Uh, serve, protect, and hunt down the people who did me wrong and give them what they deserve. And so uh, that is pretty much the way the movie falls out. And there's lots of explosions and lots of gunfire. And if you were a 16-year-old kid in the 1980s, you left the movie feeling pretty satisfied. Uh, This uh, this type of plot uh, is uh, a popular one, both in motion pictures and in novels. It's called Resurrection Revenge. Um, in, in the trade. That's where uh, the good guy or gal is left for dead, and then they return to exact retribution on their enemies. You may be more familiar with a more recent example. Leonardo DiCaprio won an Academy Award for this kind of plot. Uh, the movie was called The Revenant. He's a 19th century trapper. He's out in the wilderness somewhere. He gets mauled by a bear. They don't think they can take him back home, and so One guy agrees to sit vigil with him until he dies, but he gets impatient, and he decides to hasten the process a little bit. And then DiCaprio's son discovers what's going on, and so the guy who is a mercy killer becomes a murderer, kills his son, but DiCaprio isn't dead. And so then you get to watch two hours of Leonardo DiCaprio slogging through snowstorms and mud and across wild rivers, hunting down the guy who tried to kill him and who did put away... His son. It's kind of grim stuff. (laughs) But it's grim stuff for people who live grim lives. Uh, A lot of us have been done wrong in one way or another. You know, a spouse walked out on us, a boss fired us, a business partner swindled us. And we would love to see these people get their comeuppance, wouldn't we? But not to the point where we actually want to do something about that. You know, the Holy Spirit hopefully restrains those sinful impulses. So we go to see a resurrection revenge movie or read a book like this, and it's a safe uh, way to kind of uh let our fantasies run wild for a little bit. But what if the story of our lives is a resurrection revenge plot, only we're not the aggrieved party. What is the truth about us is that we're the perpetrators, not the victims. That in the main story of our lives, we're wearing the black hats, but the cowboy in the white hat we left for dead on the other side of the mesa is alive and is returning to us. That is the dreadful realization that Peter brings to the audience that has gathered to hear him speak on Pentecost Sunday. And I think that that's where the scripture intends to bring us as well. We who hear Peter's words from far away in time and in place. The good news is that there is a way out. We aren't destined for vengeance. But to avoid that fate, we do have to make an important change. So let me tell you a little bit more about the situation that we find ourselves in. In the scripture passage It was the season and day of Pentecost Which was a Jewish spring harvest festival It also commemorated God's gift Of the divine law to Moses On Mount Sinai And on this particular Pentecost The one that came right after The death and resurrection of Jesus There was a disturbance In the streets of Jerusalem There was the sound of a powerful wind And disciples of Jesus Poured out into the streets Praising God In other languages See Jerusalem was a cosmopolitan city There were uh, immigrants And pilgrims and tourists there From all over And these folks were astonished to hear God being praised in their native language Praised by these Galileans Praised in Galilean accents What is going on here Some of them asked And some of them said they're just drunk (laughs) They're just talking nonsense So Peter got the crowd's attention And he explained to them The meaning of these events He said it's not distilled spirits That are causing us to speak in this way It is the Holy Spirit That is causing us to speak in this way The ancient prophecy recorded In the book of Joel That in the latter days God would pour out the Spirit on all flesh That has come true And the one with his hand on the pitcher Pouring it out Is none other than Jesus of Nazareth The carpenter's son you remember him, right? He healed the sick. He restored sight to the blind and hearing and speech to the deaf and the mute. He fed 5,000 hungry people with just a few loaves and a couple of fish. He was quite a guy. He arrived in the Holy City to celebrate the Passover with all of these like letters of recommendation from God. Signs, wonders, miracles. And how did you receive him? What did you do with this amazing gift that God handed over to you? You crumpled it up and you threw it away. You handed him over to our enemies, the people who occupy this city, and they put him to death in the worst way possible. You remember Jesus of Nazareth, right? Crucified on the hill outside the city gate. Guess what? He's back. yes, Jesus is back. God has raised him up. We've seen him, says Peter. He's the one behind this manifestation of the Spirit. My fellow citizens, Peter goes on, I swear to you that the Messiah you've been hoping for and praying for and dreaming about has come. God answered your prayers. And the one whom God raised up for you is the one you raised up as a kind of living scarecrow, fastened to timbers, with nails through his hands and through his feet. Now I think we need to pause here and ask if Peter's being altogether fair in tarring these people with the brush of Good Friday. Jerusalem's a good sized city, right? Um, how does Peter know that the crowd that yelled crucified him on Good Friday is the same crowd that is gathered before him here 50 days later? How would Peter know that? Peter was cowering in fear on Good Friday morning. If you're looking to assign blame for the death of Jesus, shouldn't we assign that blame a little more narrowly to Judas who betrayed him, to the high priest who demanded his execution, to the governor who uh, did not stay his execution, and to the soldiers who flogged him and who drove the nails through his hands and feet? Well, on this question, uh, John Calvin, the father of our Presbyterian tradition, has some instructive words to say. And basically he says, when injustice is done, silence is complicity. I know that kind of sounds woke and you don't, expect you don't think of John Calvin as being the most woke theologian in the world that's basically what he says in his commentary he says silence is complicit complicity he says the crowd knew what was going on and their silence in the face of this injustice their carelessness with the life that was entrusted into their hands that implicates them in Judas's betrayal in the high priest's sin in Pilate's villainy and in the soldier's cruelty. Not only are they implicated in the cross, but friends, so are we. So are we. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we're warned that to turn away from Christ is to crucify him all over again. And how many times a day do we turn away from him? How many times a day in particular do we turn away from him by turning a blind eye to the things that are wrong with this world? to see unjust pain and suffering unfolding before us, and we shrug, and we change the channel, or we scroll on to something else in social media. If we turn a blind eye to the unfairness and the injustice of the world, then we have the blood of Christ on our hands. Now, if Luke, the Gospel writer, were uh, William Shakespeare. This would be his moment of what uh, the Greeks call anagresis. This is where the main character, too late, realizes the tragic and true nature of the situation that he's in and is overcome with emotion. The crowd is overcome with emotion. They, They are cut to the heart, Luke says. What shall we do? What can we do about this? And what will we do? What can we do about The moments of ingratitude we have about God's good gifts to us. What can we do about our propensity to look the other way when injustice rears its ugly head? Fortunately, Luke is not writing a tragedy. Uh, Neither the crowd in Acts 2 nor you and me in Haddonfield in 2023 are fated just to play out the stream and get what we deserve. That's the good news. But finding a different way means choosing a different way. You see, and this is the great irony of the way that we are saved. The innocent blood on our hands and on their hands can wash away our guilt. Provided that we turn to the one who shed that blood and turn to him in faith. God is at work in our worst moments to work what is best for us only in ways that contradict our plans and our wisdom and our thinking at the cross God breaks the evil that we do to the good and now it is God's will that we turn from evil and begin to do good repent and be baptized and your sins will be forgiven the Hebrew word for repent is shub it means very simply to turn And understand, this turning is not a once-off event. As Martin Luther wrote uh, in his first of his 95 Theses, when our Lord and Master Christ said repent, he willed that the entire life of believers be one of repentance. Each day we're liable to wander off the path. And each day we are called to get back on track by looking to Jesus Christ as our compass, as our north star, and going toward him, in acts of generosity, and in acts of self-sacrificial love, even for those whom we find it hard to love. Peter adds a promise to his way out. Repent, be baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Uh, Well, sometimes the Spirit interrupts our lives with a big splash as was the case with the people of Jerusalem on Pentecost. But often the Spirit works in more subtle ways. If you find that your cynicism and your hopelessness is giving way to hope and new visions and new possibilities, that might be the fresh breeze of the Spirit chasing the clouds out of your life. If you find yourself asking, what's in it for me less and less, and asking what is best for all of us more and more, then that might be the Spirit prompting a change in the questions that you ask. If you seem less preoccupied with what you don't have and more grateful for what you do have, well, that change in thinking has the Spirit's fingerprints all over it. The Spirit can prompt even the most risk-averse people to take a leap of faith if they saturate their decision-making process in prayer. And if these evidences of the Spirit sound familiar to you, some of them are ripped right from the pages of Sailboard Church, which we're going to be talking about after worship this morning. So I invite you to stay and continue the conversation. There is a way out. There is a way out of faith. There is a way out of the punishment that we deserve. But that way involves turning to Jesus Christ, who is back not. To give us what we deserve, but is back to invite us to run to him in faith and in hope and in love. So let's turn to him daily, for it is not the Lord's will that our lives be a tragedy, or that he comes for us around. But his will is that we turn to him, and go to him, and find in him a love that will not let us go. In the name of the one who is, and who was, and who is to come. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.hattonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.